You're listening to Selling the Dream. This isn't an interview and we're not journalists, but each week we'll ask our guests to open up and share their secrets to business success. Let's have a conversation and have some fun. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Selling the Dream, our podcast where we we talk about sales, we talk about success, and we talk about motivation. We have a lot of fun. We have three rules. Be sincere, tell the truth, and don't take yourself too seriously. I know there's a million podcasts out there, and there's a million, probably 999,000 that aren't half bad. So if we're lucky enough that you're listening to this one, hopefully you're having a little bit of fun. I want to introduce my co-host who's with me on the other coast, my co-host from another coast, Joe Iredell. What's up, Joe? Jay, what's up, buddy? Happy to kick off another one of these. You're looking, uh, you're looking studious, dude. I well, like this, uh... I, I, I need readers now. I'm 44 years old, and I'm embarrassed to say that I need reading glasses. But what's worse is that I never take them off because I forget. And now I'm starting to get to the point where I might need real glasses because I'm doing utter damage to my eyes by never taking my readers off. But uh, the good news is this new uh, software we're using has a black background, so this, the glare off of my glasses is nowhere ba- as bad as it usually is. Good thing. Right. Say so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> How about the Eagles, right? We're we're off to a good start, one and zero. First place, bro. Still got yeah, seventeen man. and zero in uh, in our sights, man. We are good to go. That's awesome. So that's that's Frank Cronetti. You guys are very very lucky today to be hanging out with our guest. Frank <laughs> is, I believe. The undisputed number one car salesman. I'm just going to throw it out there on the planet. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I it may could be Pennsylvania. It's uh, it's pretty impressive what Frank has done and built. And we're going to get a chance to pick his brain and find out more about you know what it takes to to be the best. And I saw this cool cool. You know, I posted this thing the other day where. You know, it says um, the line to be the best is long. There's a lot of people in that line. Right next to it is a is a, a stand where it says people who want to do the work it takes to be the best. And there's nobody in that line. Everybody's in the line. They want to be the best, right? But nobody's in the line of you know, who, who's willing to, to do the work. So, Frank, welcome to our uh, welcome to our podcast, man. Thank you very very much for being here. That's an honor, man. I'm so psyched, bro. So let me ask you this. Let's let's jump right into it. Give me your progression. From the first goal you set as a car salesman, what you felt was attainable, what was that number? And then how has that inched up or jumped up over the years? 23 years ago. Let's try to think back. Has it been 23 years? 23 glorious years. I came here for a summer job, believe it or not, just to uh, you know appease my dad. He goes, go get a job. I'm like, all right, go get a job. And then 23 years later, they still haven't fired me. I can't figure it out, but you know, still here. I mean, listen, goals were real big when I started with other people setting my goals for me, meaning like management would sit us down and they would have, you know, hey, like we need you to be here. And then I would always strive to get to or through that level. It was really an eye opener, probably like, you know, six, seven years into the business where I started not listening to what other people's goals should be for myself. I I almost stopped like they would say, okay, we need you to sell, uh, you know, 27 cars. Well, I already knew that I was going to way blow past that. So I never even, I would say, no, we're going to do 45. And they'd be like, well, the 45 doesn't actually fit in with our number. So we'll, we'll move you up a little bit to 30. So I'm like, man, I'm just going to stop listening to other people set my goals for me. And I would just start writing them down. And then more importantly than writing them down, I would figure out a way to actually make positive steps and positive actions to, to grow my business 
to be able to get to and through those levels. So you, know, you can't just write something down or set a goal and it happens. Like If so, we could all manifest ourselves a yacht, manifest ourselves a Super Bowl victory, manifest ourselves, you know, customers. You need to take proactive, positive steps to get to that. And, uh, you know, that's that's what helps me crush my goals every single month, quarterly, yearly, five years, 10 years out right now. So right now, just out of curiosity, what's your goal for this month? In this business or like I, I, in this business, in the car sales business. business? We're 100 cars, so three three digits, 100 cars. We're buying. It's almost more important, kind of like in your business right now, to have inventory. So like my, my job is always evolving. Right now, I'm, I'm basically like the corporate buyer for the store. So, you know, I'm using my reach and my clout in the community and with, uh, with my customer base to actually buy cars. So buying cars is more important than selling cars. We're going to sell almost every car that we have. So you guys are going to sell almost every house that's on the market. So inventory is more important. So to me, to keep servicing as much clients, customers that I have, it's more important that I put just as much, if not more energy into actually buying cars than it is selling cars. So this way I have enough cars to serve the community. So I have, I have a, a questions and what I've noticed is when you start, when you grow your business like that, obviously I'm assuming that you get to a point where repeat customers are, are a, a big part of your success. When you're being ambitious and you're trying to grow that, how do you balance between giving the service and providing kind of what you did to get those customers to like continue to, to deliver that without, you know, taking away from what you did to get them. So you have to keep evolving your process. It's all it's all about your processes. And this is why most salespeople or most business people can't grow their business, right? Because they think, hey, let's just use cars for an example, right? The same thing I do at 30 cars a month, if I just double it, we can do 60 cars a month. Well, that's not the way that business works, right? So you always got to figure out a way to speed up your process, not take away from the process, but speed up your process. So I take out as many roadblocks and speed bumps as I can. You have somebody over here that usually wants to buy something. You have somebody over here that wants to sell something. And then you have all these businesses and processes and you know steps to the sale that not everybody has to go through to get to a yes and to get to happy and get on with their life or just get the product they want and get the heck out of there. And so you need to change your processes up is the, is the short answer to be able to get people through the stages. I mean, listen, there was a, a time, uh, COVID, pre-COVID, I was selling about 150 plus cars a month and I knew I could get to 200, but to get to 200 at that point would have watered down the experience for my clients. So I, I, I had a, uh, I'm real big with self-accountability, right? Am I in this for myself? Absolutely not. Especially at this stage of the game, I'm here to serve the community. If I do it to get to 200 cars a month, just to feed my ego and to, to say that I did it, right? Then I'm going to lose in the long run, meaning people are going to have a bad experience. So, you know, I, I actually, I don't want to say I decided to cap it, but I knew that if we went further than that, at that point, the experience wasn't going to be as great. Right now we're ramping everything up. A lot of dealerships, a lot of salespeople, they're, they're, they're pulling back. When anybody's pulling back from something is when I press all in, right? 9-11 hit, boom, everybody pulled back. Tsunami in Japan hit, all the dealerships pulled back. Corona hit, everybody pulled back. Um, stock market crash, everybody pulled their marketing, their advertising, what they're doing. I'm going to lean into this as hard as possible, right? We're in a, we're in a recession. Uh, we're start, interest rates are going up, you know, um, no microchips, no inventory. Like if you listen to all this stuff all day, you're going to whimper away like most businesses are, this is when I press into it. So this is when I grow my team, right? Take on a, a, some more teammates to, to press into it. So it does 
blow open, we're already running. You just touched on something that I think is critical, and it works in both directions. And that that's the ego, Joe. To your point, I think that I think that some salespeople their ego prevents them from growing because they feel overly important to the process. They think that the person wants to sit there and talk to them for an hour. They think that they're the ones that have to do this and they're the ones that have to do that because they're the only ones that could do it that well and that the customer isn't going to like them as much because, you know, they, they weren't the one that, that did X, Y, and Z of the process. But to your point, you can delegate way more than you think because as much as people like you, right, what they're there for is a car. And that as long as you say that all the time, you don't have to actually be the one doing everything. Right? I, I say that all the time. So listen, you guys are great people. I'm pretty fun to hang out with, not here, especially when my hair is green and I'm not eating this game. But I know you don't want to spend a lot of time here. So I'd like to give you the, the shortcut, a lot of the stuff that you don't need to sit around and wait for, like get a lot of the information up front, give you all the information you're looking for so you can sit at home and make an educated decision with us being transparent with you rather than get them in, take control, right? The, all the stuff they tell you in these sales techniques, you got to have somebody in front of you to be able to sell them and close. That's Totally wrong. It's totally the wrong approach that I take. I, I reverse engineered the whole sales process. The number one thing that people would say when they were here, if they didn't want to buy a car, they didn't feel comfortable is I, I need to go home and think about it. Or I need to talk to my spouse, right? So well, how do I do that? How do I reverse engineer that process? Well, what if I gave you all the information when you were home and you were with your spouse, right? You can think and talk about it there so that when you get here, there, there's nothing to think about. The process is already 10 times faster than what if you do it the exact opposite way. And more importantly, it's a better experience for the customer. And I can prove it by the by the thousands of surveys that I got that have met 99.98. Like I go in joking every day um, into the sales office and I print up the, the survey report and I'm like, man, I'm lacking only 242 perfect surveys in a row. So, you know, we have and, fun. And you're not doing it all, right? You have people that are doing no, it and they're probably no. doing as close to a good a job as you would, right? That whole delegation piece is what I, allows I, you to stick. At this point, I'm really not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> you sound a lot like Joe. That's how Joe gets through life. He really doesn't do much. <laughs> you know what? As long as the key is this, as long as you have the guts to do it and then surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, you can pretty much do anything. And that's, that's the key to my success. And, you know, I, what I kind of took away from, from what you were, you were explaining is basically there's two ways to understand complicated processes and, and complicated success. You can either look at it at like a huge macro level if it's a really intricate process, like what does this mean in the big picture? Or if it's a, you can look at it on a micro level. And basically kind of what it boils down to in, in this scenario is, Somebody's just trying to buy a car. Like they, they need a car. They're in there. They want a car. And why make it difficult? You know. Hey, but but most people's experience are difficult, right? When yeah. They a car for the most part. That's what they have in their head. So yep. I blow it out of the water. When my team blows it out of the water with a red carpet, world class customer experience, and you're in and out of here legit in. 45 minutes, sometimes a little longer, sometimes quicker. And you don't feel like you were rushed and you went through and we gave you a demonstration presentation. You felt comfortable with all the numbers. Like you're never going to want to go anywhere else because if you do, you're just going to, you're going to hate the process again. So that's one of the ways that, you know, we keep our customer base. And, you know, the, the craziest thing to me to get a referral, like you said, referral and repeat business, it's great. There are people that have actually experienced it, but social proof of that 
experience is more important. And it's never more evident than when I have somebody send me a DM or um, send me a text message and say, hey, Frank, um, I'm going to send my cousin in or my mom's interested in buying a car. I know you'll take care of her. Thank you so much. Or, you know, I always text them back. Hey, thank you. Put me in a group, uh, group text, introduce me. So it's like a warm handoff, but it's so funny to me. But a lot of those people I've never met and I've never sold them a car, but yet they feel comfortable enough to reach out and refer that person to me. That's because we have, and this is not my ego. This is the truth. We have the best process and the best people in place to execute that process in the whole industry, right? And that's what we refine. It isn't our selling skills. It isn't necessarily our marketing skills. It's it's sharing it with the world and refining our process, not having that ego saying that we have the best. We're always evolving the process to make it better for the customer, not better for just us. And that that's what sets us apart from everybody else is one of the reasons that I have the strongest following probably in the car business. You're, you're close probably in the world at this point. So, so let's kind of change gears a little bit and let's talk about obviously your process has been refined and you have a great team around you and so forth. What are, what are some of the common things that you've found when, you know, you get somebody on your team or with it that, that isn't, you know, doing the job or like, how do you deal with that? And what's, what's the main, what's one of the main things that you kind of see where someone's going to, someone drops the ball and you have to coach them out of the business? There's a couple words that I say to myself anytime something like that, that happens. It's all my fault. So if anybody on my team drops the ball, it's all my fault. I have to own it because at some point the, the training wasn't right. The motivation behind the training wasn't right, or that person wasn't explained to the importance of that process, right? So for the most part, we don't have that really on my team. And listen, you know, like you said, this podcast is fun. It's not stiff. It's not boring. Like dude, we have fun here, right? So like I have a saying here, and if it if it doesn't feel right, we're not going to do it, right? So if it's just sell another car, or it's just, hey, we're, you know, we're doing this. It, it, it's got to feel right, right? And everybody that's on my team is like handpicked and has been sent here by like God to be on my team because we all have a great vibe together. We work really good and everyone on the team is customer oriented first, not customer service. We're customer oriented, right? Everything has to be about the customer, not just about the service, why the customer's here. It just all has to be before getting the information. When they're here, making them feel like they're special, like it's their time. Making sure that everything's transparent when we're going over the numbers. There is no just, hey, sign, sign, sign here. Here's everything. Here's what you're signing for. Here's all the true numbers. Just so everybody has it all the way to the point where we're, we're doing our who's next thing at the end. And then the follow-up process throughout when you earn the right to follow up with somebody, you earn the right to ask for a referral and keep that business going. So that's the way that we treat things here on my team. But for the most part, if there's something that, that falls, it, it's my fault. Yeah. And I think that that's a, there's, there's one of those pivot points you talked about earlier when you're talking about how do you scale up? How do you grow? One of them is how do you evolve as a leader, as a person, right? Because you could be a good salesperson. Mm -hmm. If you're not a good leader, yeah. you're going to have a hard time scaling up to that next level because the only way you're going to scale is to bring in good people, set a, set the right culture, first of all, which you obviously mm. have, right? Mm -hmm. And then be able to, to attract the people into that into that culture. But in order to do that, you have to evolve as a leader. Now, I'm going to shift because you're you're a leader in the industry as a, as, a, as a statistically as a salesperson, but you're also inherently a teacher. I think that's part of who you are and your makeup as well. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about how you evolved into some of the coaching that you're doing as well. And, and how does that cycle back and help you with your 
with your actual sales? Yeah. So when I started growing on social media, I get a lot of phone calls from all over the industry, salespeople, sales managers, general managers, dealer principals, owners of dealerships, and they all wanted 15 minutes of my time. Well, at some point you get 15 minutes to death, right? Hey, can I get 15 minutes? And I'm, you know, I don't want to say I'm a people pleaser, but you know, I'm a genuine person. If I can help somebody, I want to. I can't really change your your sales game. I can't change your marketing. I can't change your mindset in 15 minutes. Then I went to a conference, um, one of the first conferences that I ever went to because I just didn't believe in them. I didn't have time for them. I went to a conference for car people because a couple people I wanted to meet were there. And there was such an outpouring of, man, these live videos you do. And like, dude, they really helped me out. And listen, do you ever offer any training? Because our dealership doesn't pay for training. And like, I went through and I was trying to find like trainers that just train salespeople. And there really wasn't any or there wasn't any that were relevant, meaning they haven't sold cars and 20 years or, you know, when they did it, they, they only sold X number of cars. So how can you teach somebody how to sell 40, 50? They were all telling you that Facebook thing isn't going to work. <laughs> that was pretty much it. That Facebook thing, that social media thing, uh, or they're reading it out of a book. They never did it, right? Or they're learning it from somebody else and regurgitating the information. So I seen this real need for it and I just poured into it. You know what I mean? So I went to that conference and literally there was like, 50 salespeople lined up to shake my hand and take a picture. I felt like a Disney character. It was really, it was really odd and really weird. Right. But every one of them asked if they mind if like, if I could help them out, I'm like, man, I got to figure out a way to help like the masses. And, you know, that's why I came up with our, our Frank C. Lee training. And uh, it's been great so far. Anybody that's really applying themselves, especially through all the turmoil and all the markets in the last couple of years is absolutely not only crushing it for themselves in business and income, but I've noticed a huge difference in the way that the business comes to them now with repeat referral, marketing, social media, rather than relying on a dealership for leads or, you know, just waiting for a customer to walk in. Like that's a crapshoot every, every month, every week, every day. Like I, I want to go in with a plan and most salespeople don't have a plan when they walk in the door, they do everything on the fly. So if you have a plan step by step, boom, here's what you do to proactively prospect. Here's how you market it. Here's how you make sure you're taking care of the customers. Here's how you ask for referrals. Here's how you give people all the information transparent apparently up front so they can make an educated decision at home. Here's how you explain what your job actually is at the dealership, right? And a lot of salespeople, they don't understand any of this. They're, they they get hired and it's like, hey, here's a pen, go sell some cars, right? And that's where go watch these videos. Like I could never get it from anything like that. And I'm glad that I never really did listen to any of those sales trainers out there because I might've changed the way that uh, I did things, which was the hard way. But I had to figure it out myself, and I figured out a way to speak from a stage, to talk to the masses, to market myself, and to get my name out there. And it just keeps growing. So you know, I'm I'm very humbled by it, not uh, not ego driven. I'm very humbled by it anymore. So what one of the this is I'm always interested in because you've been doing this for a long time, and one of my business we don't really I don't deal with the general public, and I don't deal with the general public because they're not. <laughs> so you got to tell us. What is some of the crazy test drive stories or crazy customers? Share with us some of the stuff over the years. Oh my love God. I had a uh, I had a customer. He was an older gentleman. He pulled in in the world's biggest Cadillac. When I tell you biggest Cadillac, like it was gigantic. And he wanted to drive a Honda Accord. And I'm like, all right, no problem. I'm younger in the business. Take the car out. Oh my God. He hit the curb. <laughs> He took a he took a turn, hit a mirror on the car. I had a I, I had to pull the emergency brakes when the emergency brakes were in the middle of the car. And the guy was just like he was out of it. And uh, 
I just uh, I just told him for insurance purposes I had to drive I had to drive the car back. So you know it's um God test drives have been uh, I've ran out of gas at nine o'clock at night on four seventy six which is the highway behind us. I had to get somebody to come get me you know uh, out of gas when we were already closed. So you know there's been some funny things. Um, That's way better but, than your strippers in the trunk story, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Is this PG? This is PG, right? This, yeah. this is whatever. We, but listen, we're about 18 minutes in. If the people are still listening now, then we have, you know, God bless them. Um, uh, all right. So real quick, I want to, I want to shift one. I want to talk a little bit about branding because you value it tremendously. It's obvious. As business owners, we talk about the importance of having a brand. Your thumbs up, your videos are similar. There's consistency amongst all your. It seems there's consistency amongst all your efforts. Talk a little bit about how you got to that point. When when did you think, okay, I'm going to start using this? I'm, I, I like this thumbs up thing. When when uh, when we can start using who's next? Like, what was the evolution of your branding strategy? So the evolution of my branding strategy came from we used to have a internet department. The internet department would take care of all the internet leads, all the customers, make appointments, sell the cars that way. I was on the internet team. It was me. And Three other people. I, I was crushing it, absolutely crushing it. I think the average in the country back then was like you would close at 15% of the leads that you would get. I was up into the 40%. Ownership, management figured that it wasn't an efficient process. And for the greater good, they blew up that internet department, right? And a couple, two of the people quit. Like, how could they do this to us? You know, oh my God, woe is me. Like, you should, you should walk out of this dealership. Like, they don't have your interest at best heart. Well, after thinking about that for myself for about an hour, I finally realized you're right. They have a whole dealership to worry about, not just Frank Frenetti and what's good for him, right? What's good for me isn't always good for the whole dealership. And how was I going to, I went through, I'm a numbers guy. So I went through and I'm like, man, I'm closing at like 40% internet leads, but any referrals or repeat business, I'm closing at like 65, 70%, which is unheard of in the car business to actually do that. So I'm like, I need to shift my skills from internet phone where I got really good on the phone to being able to get my name out there. So like back when I started, it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of Facebook out there. So I was going around, you know, you're out at restaurants and bars. I would over tip a bartender to say, remember who I am next to come back, tell them, they ask me what you do. Right. I'd start going. And there's no reason why people can't still do that today. Listen, I, I still do it all the time. I, I used to switch barbers and uh, I used to go to a salon. I went to a salon. I ended up selling like 18 of the people there a car in like six months. I'm like, man, I got to switch salons. So I started going, <laughs> started going to different salons, right? I'm trying to build my book of business. I started a, uh, I started a, a buying service with local insurance agents. I started a, a Kelly Blue, a, a, a Carfax, no fault Carfax. I mean, if you have an accident or Carfax, we weren't going to hold it against you when we trade the car with local body shops. I started a drive for free on me contest where if you bought a car for me, I put your name in a contest. You referred me somebody over. I put your name in a contest. I pulled the name out. We had a couple different places, but first place I paid your car payment up to $1,000, right? So I leaned into Facebook social media, the community, and it all rallied behind me. Like, I'm so glad I didn't let somebody affect my mindset and drag me out of the dealership because that's what they were trying to do, right? They were pissed off. They seen me as a leader, like they wanted me to be pissed off. And for a brief moment, I almost let that person taint my mindset rather than I knew that most things, I always turn into a positive. I always try to find the positive out of it. So instead of being pissed off all day, I figured I'm just going to blow this up. And the rest is history, you know, as I would say. So the greatest thing that ever happened to me was them blowing up that internet department, you know, rather than me being stuck behind a computer all day, 
I got to get my my humbled uh, face and my my part and my my thumb out there so that everybody remember my big goofy bent thumb. You know what I mean? Like, dude, there's a guy with the thumb. I'm outside over here. Nice day like today. You'll hear people yell, "Who's next?" Across the thing, right? So it's working, right? You got it. You got to do what you do. If you're the best at it, share it with the world, right? And a lot of people are, they think they're being humble by not sharing it with the world. No, they're being selfish because why wouldn't I want to let more people know that I can provide them world-class customer service just like I did their neighbors, their friends, my, you know, whoever's referred to me. So if you're not telling the world that you're doing a good job, you're actually being selfish, right? You're keeping that to yourself. I think the, the central theme here, it's, it's kind of what you kicked it off with. And, you know, people's mentality when times are tough, when the market retracts, when, you know, all this, a lot of people, they just want to run and hide or do something different. And it seems like, you know, the methodology here, Kmart's a good example. Years back, there was a recession. They didn't advertise for Christmas holidays because mar- markets were down or whatever. And they went out of business as a result, like case study done. So that's what happens when times get tough, there's less people looking, there's less, and the people who can take advantage of that in the moment, when it does rebound, they've gained so much real estate and market share. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's, I think that's a really good. So we, we have a saying that we live by in our pinnacle society, which are the top salespeople in the country. And it's, um, it's no longer lonely at the top, right? Cause we want everybody up top with us. But the way that you stay up top is, you know, you, you don't rise to the level of a goal that you set. You always fall to the level of your training. So when turmoil hits, if you're not trained properly, then you're always reacting, right? You're always on defense rather than taking action, right, to move things, move your customers, your clients, your business in a positive direction, right? And the problem with most businesses, most salespeople especially, is they're just react, they, they react to everything. So, you know, you want to be able to act on things, not react to things. And when there's turmoil is the best time to steal market share. Okay? Yep. Yep. Not scared to tell everybody, I'm here to steal your market, right? If you're doing things the old way, if you're doing things the way that people don't like, they're eventually going to find out about this guy over there that's selling all those cars. And oh my God, he's out of there in a half hour because I'm going to share it with the world. We're going to share our processes with the world. I, so you, 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 I asked this question once before, so I already know the answer from a previous conversation, but I'll let you answer this because I thought this was one of the most profound things for me. As a salesperson, and, and, and Joe, you know, again, you're not in front of people in the same way that Frank and I are, but being putting yourself out there sometimes results in a decent amount of vulnerability. And there's also, you know, you call it humility or, or you know, it, the, the, the fear is that, you know, here you go, you're going to open yourself up. In my experience and watching your progression, one of the things I love about how you and your army tackle haters. Cause they're out there, right? And they come out of the woodwork. They come out of nowhere when you're, when you're putting yourself out there in a big way. So what are your thoughts on that and how someone can get past that with, uh, with, with putting themselves out there in the public? Haters are a privilege to me, man. I love it. They don't bother me at all. I have them. I don't have them much as I used to because people. There's no way that guy's selling 150 cars a month. It's all BS. And I would tell them, I'd be like, you know what? I just, I would just disarm them. I'd say, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You're 100% correct. I do not sell 150 cars uh, a month myself. Like, that's it. We knew it. I'd be like, the community sells the cars for me. I had, you know, out of 150, I had 112 referrals and, and repeat business. You know what I mean? So I just disarm them. I don't go back and forth with them. I don't need to. 
I tell people now that I'm out of the convincing business, right? You know, so I don't have to convince you to do business with me. I don't have to convince you that, you know, I can help you level your your sales game up. Um, if you don't already believe in me or I don't already have the social proof, I mean, listen, that's either my fault for not, you know, putting enough of it out there or, you know, you're just never going to get it anyway. So it doesn't matter what I do. You know, I'm not going to waste my energy, time and efforts on somebody that just wants to be negative and, and, uh, and hate, you know, just not going to do it. Love it, man. All right. So we're, we're, we're coming up on, on, uh, 30 minutes and I, I, I could keep going, but I do want to respect your time. And if I respect your time this time, when we call again, you'll be happy to, to join us again. Right, Frank? <laughs> Anytime, man. I'm the yes man, brother. Anybody asks me to do anything unless they're people that I just generally just don't want to be associated with, I just say, yeah. So yeah, you know, any publicity is good publicity. If I can put myself out there and this helps anybody, a salesperson, a customer, or helps any of your people, then, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be invited back on. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Joe, any final thoughts? No, I, I'm impressed. I, I'll be honest. I, Kenny told me a little bit about you and I didn't do any research and I was like, what's this guy going to be all about? You know, and I think that the whole the, the stigma of car salesmen and salesmen. And, you know, it's like, I think people just have that naturally ingrained. It's a. Uh, I was going to wear my tweed jacket today. Right? Oh, man. And it's. Oh, tie. But listen, we have fun here, man. We're comfortable. People come in, they're relaxed, right? There is no high pressure here. There is no, you know, bringing the lefty out of the pen with the suit on. Like, you know, we're, we're just, we're, we're regular people here, man. Those yeah, people I, that come in to buy a car, they're regular people. They just want to be comfortable. And that's the way that we like to, to treat everybody. I just, I, I was really just kind of impressed and, and it just reaffirmed that, you know, success and whether you're selling cars, whether you're selling mortgages or, you know, whatever I do, whatever that is. It's, it's all just, it's the process. And, you know, if you, if you're true to yourself and you stick to the process and you refine it and you measure it and, you know, you, you definitely do the hard work, it's, it pays off and, you know, it definitely shows. And that's, you get away from that stigma because it's not, you're not selling anymore. You're assisting and you have a system that helps people. And that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. Look forward to the next episode, but we'll be, uh, we'll be in touch. We'll be catching up soon. Sounds great. All right. All right. See you, Frank. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Selling the Dream. We know you don't want to miss a single episode, so go subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. And then make sure to share the show with your friends and leave us a review.